Hello and welcome to Nature Snippets, a podcast about natural phenomena, about organisms that you may find in your backyard and beyond. I'm Declan McCabe, coming to you from St. Michael's College in Colchester, Vermont. Today's episode is about something called the red-necked false blister beetle. Each spring, as melting snow liberates the forest floor, I seek out the wildflowers. I flip through Newcomb's Wildflower Guide, counting petals and leaves to tell hepaticas apart and to sort bellworts from trout lilies. Last spring, my eye was drawn to some curious beetles clamoring about on the trout lilies. Scarcely as long as my pinky fingernail, and with black heads, the slender beetles had grooved black elytra, or the hindwing coverings that characterize beetles. But the beetle's most striking feature was its brilliant burnt orange thorax. Bright colors in nature typically mean stay away, so I avoided handling my newfound friends. I subsequently learned that the beetles were red-necked false blister beetles, and as their color and name suggest, they should be handled with care. False blister beetles are easily mistaken for true blister beetles, but a close look distinguishes the two. In true blister beetles, the head is usually wider than the segment behind it, called the pronotum, giving the impression of a distinctly narrow neck. The false blister beetle's pronotum is widest at the front and partially covers the head, so that they appear to lack a neck entirely. Both of these beetle families produce catharidin, a noxious compound that raises painful blisters on those who can't resist the urge to smack a generally harmless beetle that happened upon their skin. The blistering agent is released from the insect's mouth and leg joints, but only when the beetle is threatened, poked or squished, accidentally or otherwise. Cantatherin is the active ingredient in Spanish fly, a product once sold as an aphrodisiac, despite the fact that its toxic effects rival those of strychnine. Canthatherdin famously poisoned a couple of London women in the 1950s, and paediatric cases caused by ingestion of beetles are not uncommon. Poisoning of horses is more common because blister beetles are sometimes baled in hay. I'm not sure how much of the deadly chemical is in a single beetle, but it is fair to say that we should treat blister beetles, true ones or false ones, with respect. I wondered what these beetles were doing out and about when overnight temperatures were well below freezing. Pollination was the short answer, but there's a bit more to it than that, and a lot more than just the exchange of nectar for pollination than we learned about in grade school. Unlike more familiar pollinators that move pollen around among flowers when foraging for nectar, false blister beetles get most of their calories by actually eating the pollen. This departure from the symbiotic sugary reward for services view of pollination might seem surprising, but it's quite a common behavior. Pollen consumption occurs in bees, ants, moths, beetles, birds, and even a few spiders. But consuming pollen is just the first step in utilizing the food source. Pollen is considerably resistant to breakdown. It is so durable that intact pollen from ancient bogs is used to infer which tree species occurred in millennia past. Very specific sugar concentrations found on target flowers stigma split the pollen's test or outer coating so that the pollen tubes grow and fertilize the eggs to grow seeds. 
Digestive enzymes in the false blister beetle's gut have a similar effect, causing pollen grains to germinate, opening the protective test, and converting pollen grains from unassailable citadels to nutritional beetle fodder. Pollen consumption might seem predatory, but messy foraging beetles transfer enough uneaten pollen to pollinate flowers. Pollen traits have evolved to encourage this behavior. Many flowers produce colorful pollen enriched with nutritious liquids to attract foragers. These traits do not occur in wind-pollinated species. Many spring flowers rely less on seed production for reproduction than do later blooming species. Instead, these species reproduce by clonal spreading. In one hepatica population, red-necked false blister beetles were just about the only pollinators and most flowers actually went unvisited. A small fraction of trout lilies flower in a given year and few produce viable seed. When researchers pollinated trout lilies, fewer than half of them produce fruit. Seeds contain gene combinations absent in clones. This is nature rolling the dice to bet against change. In an unchanging environment, cloning would be just fine. But as circumstances change, one or more seeds may have characteristics that thrive in a new environment. Spring flowers, in addition to being essential food sources, are important gathering points for beetles seeking mates. Many beetles I observed were paired, males usually with larger females. Perusing images on iNaturalist, I can see that mated beetle pairs are common on trout lilies. With beetle reproduction accounted for, you may wonder what happens next, but science does not yet have the answers. Beetles in this family lay eggs under tree bark. Some false blister beetle larvae drop to the soil and consume plant roots, others bore into rotting wood. As a scientist, I find it awe-inspiring that many mysteries remain unsolved. If nothing else, I suppose it provides job security. You can download this essay from the Northern Woodlands site. Just search for redneck false blister beetles and you'll get to see the amazing full-color art produced by Adelaide Murphy Tyrol. And uh, in fact, while you're there, search for any topic that you like and you will be impressed at the diversity of essays and content that they deliver. And heck, if you don't find the content you're interested in, well, maybe you need to write that essay and submit it. That's all for today, folks. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please consider subscribing wherever you find your podcasts. This is a bi-weekly podcast, so you can expect a new episode every other Friday. Thank you once again for listening.